Why don't we give a hand to those who lead us faithfully every week in worship. We are blessed here with, with uh, worship leadership that is Christ-exalting and that always points us to the Scriptures. So um, we, we are thankful to everyone for that. I would invite you to turn, uh, if you have a Bible or on your phone, uh, you can turn to James chapter 4 in the New Testament. James comes right after Hebrews, which is the last... Big book before Revelation. James chapter 4 will be in verse 11 and 12. Just two verses today. And as you're turning there, I just want to ask you a question. Is it okay to judge others? Is it okay to judge people? What would you think if I told you that I knew what someone else was thinking? That I could judge their heart. What if I stood here and for five minutes just told you all of my opinions about what was in someone else's mind? I think that you would be rightfully put off. Because we know that there's something not right about that. There's something not right about casting judgment on other people. We, we all seem to have a sense that judging someone else's heart is not good. But let me give you another scenario. What if I told you that just the other day I was out in front of my house, I was in the driveway, and our kids were playing, and you know, I was um, the, the kids were on their little toys and stuff, and I had a had a glass of sweet tea, and my kids just started kind of running toward the road, and and they just they just kept running, and there were a lot of busy, you know, a lot of traffic coming over that hill, some grain trucks or whatever. And I just kind of kept sipping my tea and said, oh, well, who am I to judge? They can do what they want to, right? What if I told you that I heard a young teenager talking about how they were going on a camping trip and they said, well, if it gets too cold, we'll just pull our charcoal grill inside the tent to stay warm at night. And I said, oh, well, you know, to each his own. Would it be right for me to stop my kids from going toward the road? Should I make a judgment in that situation? Would it be right for me to warn these teenagers that are about to go on a camping trip that it's not going to be a good idea for them to bring a charcoal grill inside the tent to, to keep warm at night, right? Because they'll, they'll, they'll become asphyxiated, right? They'll, they'll, they'll suffocate. In the Bible, there are two kinds of judgments. And we need to be able to tell the difference between both of them. There's, there's the one kind, and it's a, it's a right kind of judging that we're all called to. We need to be able to judge between truth and error. We need to be able to judge between safety and danger. We need to be able to judge between care for our brothers and sisters, care for our neighbors, and neglect of our brothers and sisters and of our neighbors. Everyone makes these kinds of judgments every day. You all made some judgments about whether or not it was a good idea to come to church. You made a judgment about what to put on. Everyone here made a, made a good judgment that you should put something on, right? We, we all, that was a good judgment to make. We need to be able to discern between what is good and, and what is bad. 
But there's also another kind of judging. And that is this ungodly judgmentalism. This, this condition of the heart that is always critical. That is always looking for fault. And if you notice, if we're judgmental, it's always directed never really toward us. It's always directed outward toward other people. We are masters at spotting fault in other people while excusing fault in ourselves. So there's this right kind of judgment, this discernment, this, this godly wisdom that we need to be able to have to judge between what is right and wrong. And then there's this ungodly condition of the heart that we could call judgmentalism, this, this critical spirit that's always looking, looking out for fault. Let's read in, in verses 11 and 12 of James chapter 4 today to get a sense about what's happening in our hearts when we when we slander or when we judge. It says this in James chapter 4, verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, namely, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Let's pray. Let's ask God for wisdom to look to these verses. God, thank you for your word. It, uh, especially in a, in a book like James, tends to be able to just cut us to the quick. Uh, Lord, James is, is right up in our face because it's so practical. And Lord, when we look in the mirror of the letter of James, we, we often see unpleasant things in ourselves. But Lord, we know uh, that your grace covers all these because you sent your son Jesus to pour out yourself on the, on the cross after living a perfect life that we couldn't live, died the death that we deserved, and you've been raised to show just how fully you defeated sin on our behalf. Thank you for that, God. Give us wisdom. Give us wisdom to, to be able to, to split this hair this, this morning of, of the good kind of judgments that we need to make and the wrong, ungodly kind of judgmentalism that can, that can take up residence in our heart so quickly. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, my sermon only has two points today. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is, it's just as much. I still have four pages of notes, so nobody's going to get out early today. So I apologize for that. But the first point is this. Don't judge like that. Here's how we should not judge. Don't judge like that. It's important to remember what's going on in the church that James is writing to. Remember, they're, they're scattered. This is the, the church in Jerusalem. They're primarily Jewish Christians who have been scattered. And, and now James is something like a pastor of theirs. And he's writing a letter to them to, to let them know how they should interact with one another. This church has some division. This church has some conflict. They had some issues that they needed to iron out. And James's letter is a letter intended to help them know how to iron out these issues there in Jerusalem. Remember, if you, if you recall from our, our weeks together in James, there were some conflicts between the rich and the poor. 
Not because the, the rich are somehow bad and the poor are somehow good, but these particular rich people were kind of oppressing the poor people. And so James had to address that in a couple of places. They weren't treating one another according to their status as brothers and sisters in Christ. They were treating one another according to who had the most money and who could perhaps gain the most prestige. They were committing the sin of partiality. There was some anger, if you recall. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, James tells us. So there was a little bit of anger in this church that was causing some friction and it was causing some conflict and some things like that. Remember we said that what anger is, is our, our godly sense of justice. God has given us each a sense of justice. But because we're sinners, we twist that sense of justice a little bit. We don't get angry about things that anger God. We do get angry about things that we should not get angry about. So we're, we're, we're skewed just a little bit because of our Genesis 3, uh, Jeremiah 17 hearts. If you recall, in this church, there were some loose tongues. The tongue is a fire, James told us in, in chapter 2, or I'm sorry, chapter 3. Words cause damage. There were some folks in this church who had unbridled tongues, and, and they, had, they had put out some sparks with their tongues, and, and, the, and the ground was dry, and, and, and some, some wildfires were caused in this church because of loose tongues. There was some jealousy, bitter ambition. Some folks were trying to build their own little kingdoms instead of trying to work for the kingdom of God. And whenever that happens in a church, there's going to be some problems. But James got to the heart of the matter. He told them, your problem isn't really just partiality. Your problem isn't really just that you've got some anger. Your problem isn't really just that you've got some selfish ambition or, or you've got some rich people and poor people that can't get along. What your problem is, is that you have disordered desires. Your problem comes from the heart. And until God does a work in your heart, these other little issues aren't going to get solved. That's what James tells them in chapter 4, verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? He says. So James cuts to the quick. We see here in our passage today that one other pitfall that can creep into our lives and into our hearts and into our churches is the temptation to be judgmental toward one another, to slander people, to think that we know what's going on in their hearts. There are a few ways that we can judge wrongly, and James gives us a little bit of insight. The first way is this. James tells us we should run far away from slander. Although the ESV here, which is what I read from, the English Standard Version, it says do not speak evil against another, against one another. The word slander is used in other translations and it perhaps a better gives a sense of what's going on here. It says in verse 11, do not speak evil or do not slander one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. So what's going on here is, is quite serious. He, he tells them to, remember these are Jewish Christians, he said, look back to the Old Testament. Look back to the law. And you'll remember there, even in Leviticus chapter 19, it says, do not go about spreading slander among your people. But friends, what is slander? Well, I think it could be a couple of different things. Slander is saying anything that you know to be false 
about someone else. But it can go a little further. Slander is saying anything that you don't really know to be true. It's like gossip. It's like, well, I heard this and uh, because I don't think it's wrong, I'm just going to pass it along. I'm going to tell folks when I go up to the store or when I go into town or whatever the case may be or even when I'm at church. So saying anything that you know to be false or saying anything that you don't know to be true. And I would say even I would take perhaps it a step further. Slander could even be saying something that you know is true, but you say it because you want to cause damage. You see that? Even if you know something that somebody has done wrong, you don't need to share it. You don't need to tell other people about it if you're intending to do them damage. So, these things could be slander in the midst of a conflict, which this church is in the middle of. Slander seems like a really good idea. Seems like a temptation. It's a very tempting thing to do. You can get your side across. You can build yourself up by tearing someone else down. James says this should not be named among God's people. And even if it means your reputation coming down a notch because you don't answer the slander of someone else, Jesus says, blessed are you when you are persecuted for my sake. So, for those of us who are in Christ, friends, we don't have to fight back when someone says anything evil about us, do we? Why? Because we know the one true judge and the good king who will settle accounts at the final age. He will set things straight. Where does slander come from? Well, it comes from a heart that doesn't love, right? It comes from a heart that wants to do damage, comes from a heart that's, that's being critical, that's being judgmental. The reason that slander goes against the law, remember he says all this stuff about the law that's a little bit confusing, but he says if you slander, you're, you're speaking against the law, the law of God. And, and how can that be? Well, the law itself, remember when Jesus, in Matthew 22, he summed up all of the law, and he said that all of the law is basically this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, well, I have pretty good relationships with my neighbors. I can love them. We've got, we've got nice relationships. What about those that you don't have good relationships with? Well, Jesus ups the ante. He even says, don't just love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't just love your neighbors. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Friends, most everybody can love their neighbors if they got decent enough neighbors. It takes something supernatural happening inside of your heart for you to be able to love your enemies. That's how you know Jesus has got a hold of you. If you can love your enemies. It also comes from, uh, this slander comes from unbelief or disbelief in God as the good judge. He says this, but if you judge the law, says in James chapter, chapter uh, 4 verse 11, but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law but a judge. If you are trying even, I'm sorry, if you are trying to, to even the score or to do damage to your enemy, it's often because you don't believe that God can really settle the account. You got to get back because God can't handle it. But God says, vengeance is mine. Leave it to me, he says. Leave it to me. Remember this from Luke chapter 12? This is why we can rest in God as the good judge. We don't have to be judged. We don't have to put on our robe. 
We don't have to judge anybody's heart. We don't have to slander anybody else. Why? Because nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be made known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Friends, there is coming a day when no secret will be left uncovered. Everything, everything will be no secret will be left covered up. Everything will be uncovered. And then as what, as Brother uh, Murray mentioned to us this morning uh, from Psalm 37, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. That's the opposite of fretting, trusting in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. And then down in verse 8, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Friends, we don't even have to be anxious. He says don't be mad. Don't be angry. Don't be wrathful. Don't even be anxious. Why? Because it tends only to evil and God is the good judge. At the end, He will settle the accounts better than any of us ever could. The reason that having a judgmental spirit, the reason that slandering people, having a judgmental spirit in your heart is so bad is because it puts us in the judge's seat. We unseat God from the judge's seat and we place ourselves up there and say, we, I think I know better. Shows up and we think we, we think we know what other people are thinking. Oh, I know. I know what she's thinking. Oh, I know how he operates, right? Friends, none of us have that kind of God-like knowledge. Only God knows what is in the heart of another person. So don't judge them. You don't know what's going on in their heart. They could have good intentions and you just don't even know. So let's run away from this. Instead, here's what we can give ourselves to. We can give ourselves to a ministry of building up. You know what edification is? You know the word edifice. Edifice just means a building, right? You, you talk about going to a city and, uh, and you see these large edifices. It's just a building. And, and so edification is, is building other people up, building yourself up. And you can, you can do this because Proverbs reminds us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So that same tongue, those same words that James tells us can start a fire. That can destroy houses and, and land and forests. That same tongue that can start a fire can give life to people if you use it to edify, if you use it to build up. So run away from slander, run away from judgmentalism, and run toward building other people up with your words. I got I to gotta brag on Trevor. Trevor, I, I hope this doesn't make you uncomfortable, man. But every time I see you, you got something positive to say. He just walks in this morning and he builds people up. I mean, he built me up today. Trevor, you're, you're doing James chapter 4, man. Rock on, man. Keep at it. Keep at it. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. 
we should be on guard against a critical, judgmental spirit because it sets us in the place of God. So I'd, I'd, I'd ask you today, examine your words and your thoughts. Do you have a keen eye for noticing problems in other people? Is that really easy for you? Is that your spiritual gift, right? <laughs> noticing. Man, I'm really good at, at, at noticing when other people are wrong, I guess, is the Holy Spirit in me. Probably not. Probably not, okay? Do you feel a freedom, even without saying it out loud, do you feel a freedom to cut other people down? Does that come really freely to you, being able to, to just really just cut other people off at the knees? Matthew 7. I even hesitate sometimes to comment on this because this, this is like the, it, an atheist doesn't know any verse in the Bible but Matthew 7, 1. But there's a, whole other, there's a lot of other stuff in Matthew 7. I'm just going to have to uh, treat it in passing here. But Matthew 7 says this, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, in other words, let me help you, when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Notice what it says. It doesn't say don't take the speck out of your brother's eye. It says clean up yourself first so that you can really help them, right? It's not saying that we can't help other people. It's just saying we need to get our house in order first. Here's the problem with a critical, judgmental spirit. There is only one lawgiver. There is only one good judge, and we ain't him. That's what it comes down to. So, that was the first point. Don't judge like that. Here's the second point. But judge like this. Judge like this. Instead of allowing our twisted little sense of right and wrong to run rampant, you know, criticizing others while we're overlooking our own failings. We see the specs, but we don't see the logs. Projecting motives, to saying that we, oh, I know how he operates. I know what she's thinking. I know what she meant by that. Instead of doing that, here's what we can do. In, in John chapter 7, it says this. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with a right judgment. So that's the balance to Matthew 7, 1. Everybody who doesn't like Jesus knows Matthew 7, 1. Judge not, right? But John 7 says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with a right judgment. Yeah, I knew a guy in high school who had a big tattoo on his arm, and it said, only God can judge me. And I just thought to myself, man, that ought to scare the mess out of you. That, that God, I mean, God will judge. Like, he meant it as a, as, as, a, as a point of pride. Like, you don't judge me. Only God can judge me. I'm like, listen, we're all headed toward that judgment. And, like, we don't need to have some kind of cavalier attitude about it. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with a right judgment. In other words, it's actually loving. It is actually loving to make true and false judgments 
for the sake of yourself, for the sake of your family, for the sake of your church, for the sake of your Sunday school class and all of those around you. That actually is a good thing to do. Judge with a right judgment. Well, what's the standard? How can we know what a right judgment is? We've been given it. We've been given what the standard is. It comes not from inside of our twisted hearts, but from outside of us, from a good and loving God who has not left us in the dark, but has told us that He has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has, he's told us we can keep the kids from running toward the street. It's okay to do that. We can keep the teenagers from bringing the charcoal grill inside the tent and doing harm to themselves. Like That is a loving thing to do. In a word, we can take our responsibility seriously to love and encourage one another, to build one another up, to give one another the keys to hold each other accountable, to ask for help and to speak lovingly truth when we see that others, brothers and sisters, are straying. And as a matter of fact, friends, I would say this. Those of us who are in the church have a responsibility toward one another in, in church membership and in church life. Becoming a member of a church, joining with a church, is basically saying this. It's basically saying, I'm going to give you the key to my life. And I'm going to ask you to give me the key to your life. And if you see anything in me that doesn't look like Jesus, you have the keys. You have permission to lovingly call me out so that I won't continue to walk down a path that seems right to me but really leads to death. That's what church life is supposed to be. That's what church membership is supposed to be. To bear one another's burdens, says Confess your sins to one another and so be healed. To push one another toward Jesus. Listen to what it says in Jude. Uh, there's only one chapter. Verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. He says this, but you... Beloved, building yourselves up, in other words, edifying, right? Building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the, in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. How? Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus that leads to eternal life. And then it, it gives a prescription. How do we keep one another in the faith? How do we keep one another in the love of Jesus? It says, have mercy on those who doubt. In other words, there are some who are weak and they need a ministry, they need a ministry that is tailored to them. They're doubting. They're in, they're in some despair, going through some depression or anxiety, something like that. It says, have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. You see someone walking toward the fire? Oh, who am I to judge? No, that's not the right attitude. This is when we judge with a right judgment and we say, brother, sister, would you come back? Would you come back? Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire to show others mercy with fear, even hating the garment stained by the flesh. This is called church membership. When you come together as a church, it is a, it is a key saying, would you, would you do this for me? Would you have mercy on me when I need mercy? Would you snatch me out of the fire when you see me going the wrong way? And would you show mercy and, and so that... 
I wouldn't even have my garments stained by the flesh. Some think of church... You know, membership is a really interesting word, right? There are different memberships you can get. Some people think of church membership like a, like a gym membership. Like I can, I can go when I feel like it, right? And, and usually when you feel like it is January or February and then it kind of falls off, you know. Or maybe there's like a country club membership. Country club. We have country club memberships. It's like a mark of pride. It's where you go and park your influence. Or there's even like a HOA membership, you know. HOA memberships are really complicated things. I hope none of you have to be in one of those. It's where people can kind of come and throw their weight around to get their way and things like that. It's not what church membership is. Church membership instead is like what Romans 12 says. For as one body, we have many members. And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members of one another. That's what it says in in Romans chapter 12. This is why, friends, just a, a personal word. When I came here, one of the things that you've probably heard me emphasize is meaningful church membership. For about the past hundred years or so, the American church has sacrificed church health in order to get church growth. We, we, we thought to ourselves, if it's big, it must be good. Uh, many, many church members, I would say, uh, to my own shame, I was, a member for, uh, I was a member of a Baptist church for probably about 10 years before I ever read our doctrinal statement, before I ever read what it was that I said that I believed, the Baptist faith and message. It's possible in many places for, for people to, you know, to walk an aisle and to join a church and they're here for a little while and they go off the radar for like months or years at a time and, and nobody knows where these people are. Are they doing okay? Have they, have they joined with another church? Or are they in trouble? Or do they need to be snatched out of the fire? Are they being cared for by someone? Are they, are they, are, are they in need of, of help? I don't know what the solution to this huge problem is in the United States where we're so very casual about this, but, but here's what I know that we can do here. At Trenton Baptist Church, we can be serious about caring for one another. We can be serious about meaningful church membership. We can love one another well by taking care of one another. And so... I think the scriptures are clear that the way we care for one another, the way we protect one another and proclaim the gospel clearly, because friends, at the end of the day, all the church is, is the gospel made visible. That's what the church is. That's what the church is supposed to be. The gospel made visible. I'm going to commit to doing two things. And the first one is this. When we get done with James, I'm going to go into a small little series on what is the church. I think we need to recover this in in our culture, and I think it would be a blessing to me to look back to the Scriptures to see what is the church supposed to be. And then secondly, I'm excited to say that very soon I'm going to be offering some sessions called Next Steps Sessions. Uh, to, to help anyone who's interested in doing just that, taking next steps. Maybe you've been here for a while, you're really committed to the, the ministry of our church, but you've never made it official, and you want to know what it looks like to take next steps. You'll be uh, offered a time to come together, and I'll be in there leading this class during the, the Sunday school hour. Um, and we'll, we'll look to our doctrinal statement. What does the Baptist faith and message say? What can you expect from us as a church? 
What can we expect from you? How can you serve? How can we join hands together to advance the mission of the gospel together? In other words, we want to simply set uh, set new folks up well to join with us so that we can together, hand in hand, take the gospel to our neighborhood and to the nations. Who is this for? Well, it's primarily for those who are interested in taking next steps, maybe looking at baptism or looking at membership. And what does it mean? It would be for anyone who perhaps this is your first Sunday and you just want to get to know me better or you just want to get to know the church better. There's no obligation at the end of the class to, to join the church or... Perhaps you're curious about what Christians believe. This would be a, a great time. Or perhaps you've been a member here for 70 years and you just would like to go through it and walk through the Baptist faith and message and things like that. This is a, a, an intentional effort to care well for one another so that we can be the kind of people who are giving one another the keys to our lives so that we can do ministry together to our neighborhood and to the nations so that we can create disciples here who are judging rightly, making good judgments, running away from critical spirit, running away from a judgmental attitude, and seeking to honor the Lord with all of our lives. I think this is a natural application of our sermon today, and I think it would be an appropriate place to stop. So why don't you just pray with me, and we'll continue today uh, during a time of response. Um, let's pray. God, you are so good to us. You've given us your word, and it is incredibly practical. Uh, God, we have seen things uh, in the Scriptures, and we have seen things in our own lives all through these four chapters of James that we have marched through together. And now we're nearing the end, God, and we're asking you, what does it mean uh, next? What, do you, what are you calling us to next? Perhaps you've pointed out some things that have been rather unpleasant, but they've been good. They've been stretching, but they've been helpful for us to, to look at and to see in ourselves and in the book of James. I pray that you would continue to do your ministry in us individually. I pray that you would continue to do your ministry in us as a church. God, would you make your promises come to life in the life of our church so that we can be a church who cares well for one another, who is healthy, who look, look like, a, like the town's water tower. Nobody cares how big it is, but everyone's concerned with how pure the stuff is on the inside. God, would you make us a pure and a healthy church, Lord, because we know that healthy things grow. And so it would help us not to get the cart before the horse. Help us to, to focus on our church health so that we can take the gospel more and more and more effectively to our neighborhood and to the nations. God, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, we're going to enter.